It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're tuned in to hour number two of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for joining us. I'm Ken Chester, your host. For this hour, we're going vintage and talking about an unlikely safety pioneer that you may have never heard of, but has been widely copied and no doubt responsible for a lot of the early safety equipment in your car. Next up, we're going to be told, we've been told that oil conservation is no longer a thing for the United States. We're going to take a look at who said it and why. Now, finally, we're going to end this hour with a segment about what your connected car or truck knows about you and how the automakers plan to cash in. As usual, plenty to discuss. But first, join the conversation by calling or texting me via the Roadworthy Drive Line. that number, 872-222-9793. Email's okay, too, and my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Come on now. Don't be shy. <laughs> Speaking of not being shy, is the other members of the in-studio Roadworthy Drive crew refreshed and ready for this second hour? And that's Jack at the Controls and Sasha over at Mike 2. How y'all doing? Okay. I want to know where where is breakfast. Breakfast? Yes. Well, I brought donuts. I know you brought donuts, but where's breakfast, Mr. Chester? Uh, you, you, know, said, you said rested and refreshed. I'm hungry. Where's my hungry. food? Oh, you know what? <laughs> You really need to talk to Suits about that. Uh, no. Yeah, because they got the budget for it, and when they take the budget away, can't do it. Mr. Chester, in this hour, what is in the parts bin? Ah, well, we're going to talk. That. Love yeah, that. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me find that. Right quick. <laughs> you didn't have that in far to you? I the did talent, not. The talent is not ready. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, yeah, as they say, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. So what now, did you do this weekend? Uh, not a lot worked. Yeah, did you? Um, waiting for the rain to come again. Uh, rain. I uh, know. In the words of a old comedy bit, how long can you tread water? <laughs> not long anymore. Uh, Go on, Mr. Chester. Depends um, how much this, time you got. This one is for Sasha. Okay. Oh, here we go. Um, this is under under tech tools you can use. Okay. Uh, we're going back into the weeds a little bit. Okay. okay. J- just a little bit. And I... Uh, Aebo dog unleashed in the U.S. Sony revealed plans to re- offer a special first litter edition of its Aebo autonomous robotic puppy companion in the United States. What? Mm-hmm. Yes. It includes this first litter edition for the United States is a limited all-in-one bundle that includes the robotic puppy, a three-year artificial intelligence cloud plan, too, an assortment of toys for the puppy, and an individually numbered commemorative dog tag. And the cloud plan enables the robotic dog to upload its day-to-day life experiences into Sony's AI engine. This database of memories is accessed to form each Aebo's unique personality, which will grow and evolve over time. In other words, a robotic puppy that you don't have to walk, you don't have to clean up after, Imagine that. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. This is the sixth generation of this design. It was introduced in 1999. 
But unlike previous versions, it pairs cutting-edge robotics with new cloud-connected artificial intelligence and advanced image sensors, giving the dog the ability to learn and recognize faces. It even enables it to remember what actions make its owner happy and form a deep bond with members of the household. Okay, now, my only consideration, is it attack mode? (laughs) Because all of my children will get one, especially my teenage girls. Mm -hmm. Can I get the protective mode? They didn't say anything about that. Because I would love for an airline to tell me I can't bring my dog on board. Wait wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to go here right now. Yeah. Go ahead. You could probably get this one a little more certified to be a service dog. Yes, mm. absolutely. Absolutely. Then you could a regular dog mm. at yeah. less cost. However, I would be with you. Does this thing have an attack mode? Well, first of all, you might get attacked by the price. Okay, here we're going to have a guessing game. All right. Go for it. So, what do you think, Jack? 10K. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to a- go with 1500 I could do that. I could do that. With delivery in time for the holidays. Yes, of course, because what make no Christmas holidays complete without unwrapping the present and finding your robotic dog? Mm -hmm. Here's the part that scares me a little (laughs) bit about this. Um, Do we have different breeds? uh, No. No? No. Um, They talk about its charming personality, dog-like behaviors, and here's the part that scares me. Got it. Ability to intelligently interact with family members to help create a personal bond. Sony wants a broader commitment to provide consumers with products that not only entertain them, but also enrich their lives. All right. Hold it. Yeah, I was wondering when that alarm was going off. Yeah. Thank now, you. Now, that's my being, point. Alexia is not enough. Being Alexa. The, excuse Ale- me, people. Go ahead. Sorry. Being the resident curmudgeon. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. The old timer. Mm-hmm. In my thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. How much of my privacy am I giving up? More than you realize, because mm-hmm. let me throw this at you. Um, this cloud plan. Let you enjoy the full range of the dog's features via a Wi-Fi connection at home or a mobile connection on the go. That's going to chew up data like crazy. You can take your doggy with you. Think about that for a minute. Well, so connected have, to the cloud. Right. So here's the thing, Jack. With your smart people have, we all know. I mean, we've talked about it here. We've talked about it till we're blue in the face. Everybody knows that anything on Facebook is 100% monitored. If you use a third-party app, you have absolutely no privacy when it comes to what you'd use your cell phone for, okay? Smart speakers are the exact same way, okay? No privacy. Now, you're able, like if you've got this dog, now you're talking children. Okay. Now this thing is getting all kinds of information, Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, Mm -hmm. seven days a week, of a family interaction. Mm. And this is the part that scares me. Okay. Users can take their robotic dog experience to the next level with my IABO app. In addition to accessing system settings and owner information, the app's handy user interface allows owners to check out and share the IABO's pictures as well as add tricks to its repertoire. This is a movie of the week dying to happen. Yeah, hello. Okay, so... Th- with this is a movie of the week that's going to get made. If my child takes my... 
my robotic dog to the beach to like with Google Glass. Remember with the Google Glasses, how they would not allow them in locker rooms, um, Mm -hmm. would not allow them in, you know, what's going to happen with these dogs? Because that's all video, darlings. Those eyes are seeing everything. So I thought I wanted to share that with you. Absolutely. As a dog owner. Uh, Okay. No, no. I have real dogs. I do not have spy dogs. I would much rather have a real dog anyway. Mr. Chester, do you have something else to talk about? I (laughs) do. Thank you. Uh, Another 18-wheel autonomous truck just made a trip on a highway. Really? U.S.? No. Oh. Okay. South Korea. Okay. Mountains? No. Hmm. Was it pulling? Yes. What was it? What was the uh, load? Does it uh, tell you? It doesn't say what it was, but it was forty tons. Ooh. And here it is. It was a Hyundai. <gasps> you know, I've got a soft spot in my heart for Hyundai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The vehicle made its trip last Tuesday. Okay. Uh, used an autonomous driving system. It accelerated, decelerated, steered, and maneuvered through traffic without needing input from a human. Although a human driver was, however, Behind on board way. to take control as and when required. Okay, now what was the top speed? Uh, they did not say that either. How long was the trip? Uh, roughly 25 miles. Oh, um, and I'm assuming broad daylight? Yes. Now you're saying traffic, so was that in town then, I'm assuming? No. Country road? No. What it looks... Highway. Oh, okay. The equivalent of one of our interstates. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. busy terrain. How mm-hmm. long has Hyundai been uh, keeping this under wraps? Ah, I have not heard. Exactly, which is why I brought it up. Uh-huh. It doesn't say how long it's been under development, but you have to understand sneaky, Hyundai sneaky. is a large multinational conglomerate company. Really? They build ships, too. Ships? They build containers. They build cars. No idea. Would the two of you please quit looking at each other, please, before I have <laughs> well, to break out the referee's things Like I don't do research. And he goes, I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> but she had that look, sir. Yes, I got to give her did. that one. She had the. Yes, no, she did. you had the look. <laughs> uh, whatever, people. Next, we waxed nostalgic about early an early automotive genius whose forward thinking is still yielding benefits 62 years after his death. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Two drivers, one who's had a little too much to drink, and one that could use a good night's sleep. What's the difference? Not much. While one's driving illegally, the other is just as dangerous. Almost one out of every six deadly crashes involves a drowsy driver. Keep from becoming a statistic. Take a break every two hours, drive with a buddy, and watch out for medications that might make you sleepy. Drive alert, arrive alive. A message from the State Office of Risk Management. This is the second segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Two words. Mm. Preston Tucker. Uh, love him. 
Although he died in 1956, he was a visionary in so many ways. Now, some of you might recall the movie starring Bo Bridges in 1988, which told the story about the man, his vision, and his car company. Hmm. What? Excuse me? You've never seen a 1948 Tucker 48 sedan? Not in person. I have. I, Which is one of the reasons why I will never forgive you. Uh, Ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get over it. It might be because there were only 51 ever made. I know. I've personally touched two of them. Ugh. More about that in a few minutes. No, but, we don't need to hear more about but, it. But uh, let's share a little bit about why he matters. Why he was a genius, not and, recognized in his own time? No, he was not fully appreciated in his own time. No. Uh, the innovative design features. Let mm-hmm. me. Tra- um, my personal favorite. Uh New fe- supposedly quote unquote new, new features. features. Yep. Um, safety glass. Oh. Preston Tucker. No, 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 no. The uh, the headlights. Yeah, I'm going to get to there. Oh. Today it's called adaptive front lighting system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. Preston Tucker. Yep. Laughed myself sick when I heard that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the engine, which is a rear, which is a rear drive engine in the back. Mm-hmm. Held together, held into the chassis by six volts for easy removal. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, you can you can change out a press uh, a Tucker engine in thirty minutes. Yep. And oh, by the way, that engine was a reconfigured uh, aircraft motor. Really? He was yes. a genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A oh, genius. Oh, by the way, yeah. Go ahead. Padded dashboard. Yep. Press Tucker. Tucker. Um, designed, in fact, they show a video online where they didn't show the car being rolled. They drive, the, they drive this Tucker out of the garage. Car had been obviously damaged, but it was drivable. Mm-hmm. It had flipped three times at 95 miles an hour. Oh. All they had to do was change a tire. The driver got a scratch. Preston Tucker. Wow. 51 cars, Maine. This vehicle was designed with a built-in roll cage. Preston Tucker. Exactly. Okay. The man was such a visionary, but what most people don't realize about the man, he was in racing Mm -hmm. before that. Uh, He ended up working for everybody over time. Yep. His first job was an office boy for the head of Cadillac. Okay. But he would sell cars for Dodge and Plymouth and Studebaker. He worked on the line building Fords. Okay. Then he came back to Indianapolis and he worked with a major racing motor maker uh, by the name of Miller. And these guys built racing engines together in the late 30s, early 40s. Even Even tried his hand at aircraft manufacturing. Didn't work out. But here's the thing. Most people didn't know, and I didn't know until I did the research. The Jeep, the basic plans for that thing was given to American Bantam Car Company. And the basic blueprints, the original blueprints that they built the Jeep from, that that they brought around? No. Two words. No. Preston Tucker. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? Preston Tucker. Okay. I'm going to ask this because I really don't know. I've only seen, seen bits and pieces of the movie. Mm-hmm. Why was it only? Why was it only forty eight? 
because fifty one or, or I'm, I'm sorry, fifty one. And what in the world did the government have against him? He basically got bullied out because he was such a revolutionary and a visionary. They squaz him out. Yep. They trumped up charges. His plant was in Chicago. And the plant actually still stands. It's in two pieces. Yep. Part of it's a Tootsie Roll plant. The other one's the Ford City Mall, South Cicero Avenue, Chicago. Yeah. Still. And, it, I mean, it's one of those things where history remembers the man and sees what actually happened to him. But at the time, no, he got, he got steamrolled out. Ba- basically, they trumped up charges... Uh, basically securities fraud, and they tried to allege that the cars weren't real. Yep. Uh, He got acquitted when they invited the jurors. In fact, his defense team didn't call a single witness. Nope. All they did was invite the jurors out to ride the eight Tuckers sitting outside and decide for themselves. Man was acquitted on all the charges, but by that time, because they jacked him up, he was done. Yep. He was broke. He would go on to do a few other things, but he ended up dying of pneumonia in 1956. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So young. So young. And what's interesting is that his family, like whatever gene it is, his family live on. And they still got like a couple of the grandsons, great grandsons. Great grandsons. Yeah. Keeping keeping it alive. Racing, um, engineering. They're still tinkering. They're still keeping the memory, and they're they're bringing their own generation too. And it's yeah, two things. One, they have accounted for every one of those fifty-one tuckers. Yep, mm-hmm. every one. They know who owns it, where it is, whether it was wrecked, salvaged, parted, everything. There is a list. Yep. There is a Tucker Car Club. Yeah, if you can believe it. Yeah. The most exclusive club in the world. Right. <laughs> and, and as I mentioned last hour, mm-hmm. we just had one sell in the, in the last couple of weeks for $1.8 million, and that one was number 48. Yeah. yeah. I will say this. It will um, now have Sasha it, on the license plate. It, no. No. Uh, you talk <laughs> about Francis Ford Coppola was the director of the movie. Mm-hmm. He has a black tucker on the second floor. At a building in his winery in California. Yes. I've eaten breakfast there. I've touched that car. Shut up. (laughs) The car they mentioned on Wikipedia, I touched it. Shut up. Second car, Mm. Kansas City, Art of the Car Concourse, two years ago. I got pictures. Sasha will be putting this week out on Facebook uh, the videos of the Tucker plus some of the pictures I took of the beautiful maroon, which is color number 600, Tucker. It was my favorite color. It is gorgeous. I loved that color. That car, that car still looks good. Yeah. I mean, 70 years later, and the car still looks amazing. And I realize that we're probably past the point of even asking this question, but I want to ask it anyway. You would have thought someplace in the last, oh, however many years it's been now, almost 60 years mm-hmm. or maybe longer. Right. Why somebody did not pick up this idea and run with it? Like what? Do a remake? Like to, to start rebuilding them? They again. they tried several yes. times, but couldn't raise the money. Yep. Really? Yes, they tried it in the early fifties, right before he died, and it was tried one more time after that. America is awash in crude oil and natural gas, and is now being told conservation isn't a thing anymore. It's a bad idea, and I will tell you why when we return. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. 
want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. Real opinions, real talk. You are tuned to Roadworthy Drive. We're an eclectic crew that covers mobility, transportation, and technology, usually all in the same hour. We're a bit different, often entertaining, and always informative. You don't have to be a hardcore gearhead to tune in, though. We're not a fix-it, restore-it, or modify-it show. We're tech-focused and consumer, 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 consumer oriented. Yep, that's us. Each week, here for you. But I got a question uh, before we get started here for the executive producer, mm-hmm. just yes, on to me. Um, sir, why are we standing and you're sitting? Because, as you like to put it, the suits could afford me a chair. Yeah. I want to know why uh, in the last production meeting that was not brought up, that we could have chairs. I didn't say that it wasn't brought up. For my, for my health and well-being and employment... Mm-hmm. I decided not to bring it up. Ah, I Continue see. reading your script, sir. Oh, wow. There's no love. I want a chair. My feet hurt. Just saying. Um, for those of you who want to learn a little bit more about Roadworthy Drive, the Roadworthy Drive crew on the show, check out our website. That's uh, roadworthydrive.com. For those of you who are truly mobile, we got you covered, too. Look for us at Google Play and Blueberry Podcasting. The website is also a great place to discover where to find us in the world of social media. Sasha is our handy-dandy social media diva, and she keeps things light and lively during the week between shows with her inspirational and entertaining postings. Uh, Tucker. Uh, You know what? Preston Tucker. That's going to be our theme this week. Yeah. We're going to do Tucker. 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 Yeah. We're all Tucker all the time this week. We're going to Tucker you out on Tucker. You're going to be Tuckered. Completely Tuckered. Out. This week. Tucker, though. On Road Where They Drive. Yes. Tucker. You're not going to read I got pictures. <laughs> I can prove I know it. You, sir, I know you have pictures. I do. But we're losing time. And the one thing that I <laughs> have to say <laughs> the man is about. Not produ- yeah. Okay. The one thing I have to say yes. about your chairs. Uh-huh. Hashtag deal with it. <laughs> wow. Now, hashtag what are we talking up. about feel, this segment? Feel, feel a little hostility up in here. Hashtag woman up. Oh, no. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> and we're talking about oil this segment. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a little bit of natural gas, apparently. Oh. I'm just saying. Um, the United States has come a long way since 1970. You know, back then, it was largely expected in the domestic petroleum industry that we'd hit this thing called peak oil. Mm. Now, peak oil is, uh, the de- by definition, the highest level of domestic production of crude oil. Mm-hmm. That when you got there, they expected it to diminish in the years following it. 1970 was the year. That was then. As a result, we went through all this drama uh, with the dual oil shocks in the 1970s. Those of us that are a certain age might remember the long gas lines, the ridiculous prices, OPEC, all the nasty stuff. And then it started a whole bunch of conservation stuff. Like? Um, I can't drive 55. Not tempt me because you know I'll do it. You know, 
But he left out the best part where he goes, right, I, can't I can't drive, drive. Um, 55. I am limited on time I can play that. Oh, oh yes, that's right. No love. Anyway, <laughs> and I really hated driving 55. Oh, so did I. Big I still hate time. driving mm-hmm. 55. Uh-huh. Well, in any case, we've evolved. Technology revealed that we have much more crude and natural gas than we thought. Uh, but greenhouse gases are a thing. And we have alternatives to our current approach to transportation. Which, of course, in this show, regular listeners know, we've largely reported on here. So here's the question. Why are we letting our guard down on conservation when we're looking at electric vehicles? For example, electric vehicles are not necessarily about conservation anymore. One, lower cost operation. Yep. You know, you're looking at hundreds of parts in a regular combustion engine, mm-hmm. 20 parts, 20 in a in a, an electric motor. You don't have an exhaust system. You don't have a muffler. You ain't got none of that stuff. You got All a the more, nasty fluids, none of it. You got a more powerful engine when it comes to your pickup trucks. Once we actually get that, your semi-tractor trailers. I mean, everything that you could possibly want is right there in the electric answer. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me get to the root of this. According to the current administration, conserving oil is no longer an economic imperative for the U.S. This was announced in a major new policy statement that threatens to undermine decades of government campaigns for gas thrifty cars and other conservation programs and other alternative fuel things like, I don't know, electric vehicles. Okay. He can say. And, 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 and fuel cell vehicles. Solar vehicles. They can say whatever they want, however they want, for as loud as they want to say it. But the truth of the matter is we live in a global economy. Uh-huh. Let's say it together, folks. Economy. So these companies, no matter what the U.S. is trying to say, these companies are still going to want to sell their product and need to sell their product on a net or on a global platform. Mm. They're going to still continue with the fuel cell. They're still going to continue with your electric vehicle. They are sli- still going to slowly and over time start dwindling their need for oil. The problem is... Gasoline. Go ahead, Jack. You are going to say something? I'm just sitting here trying to figure some of this stuff out in my head, okay? Mm-hmm. To me, the last two that are going to go away from oil are going to be... The trucking industry and the airline industry. Not necessarily. Well, hang on. I still do not see how in the world you're going to fly a plane without aviation fuel. Actually, they have developed an electric jet engine. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. yes. For commercial aircraft. Yep. And, what have... is, and what is generating this electricity to power this engine? Th- that I didn't get into, but they've got it, and I'm sure it's not fossil fuel. Here's the other thing. Like anything, it would probably be battery generated or fuel cell generated, which means hydrogen, close. but not 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 gasoline or jet fuel. Remember, the biggest cost in airlines after the cost of the plane is fuel. Is fuel. Is fuel. Truckers fuel, fuel. and they're so- going to have to get away from that. They're going to try. They're going to be spurned on by the fact once people and electric vehicles become more prominent. Once people actually, it's cheaper for them to go places. And especially when you bring up autonomous, they're going to need to drive that cost down. Here's the thing. Anything they can do to get that cost down per mile, they're going to do it. 
right now, the cost of batteries and Toyota's uh, venturing with heavy trucks with fuel cells, which eliminate the weight of the batteries, uh, are going to drive it down. They're getting competitive. They'll be competitive in the next four to five years with the cost of diesel fuel. If they keep up and they get it lower than that, then why would, why would you? Because the cost per mile, you're looking at a truck that gets five miles, eight miles a gallon. Right if, now, yes. If you can get do away with diesel fuel entirely and get something that costs pennies, you're going there. Okay, then what do you do with, like, the road use tax? Ah, welcome to disruptive change, sir. Yep. It will have to be revisited. As we always suspected, our connected vehicles knew a lot about us. We didn't always know what until now. We take a look. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive. Drive. Like us on Facebook. This is the last segment for this second hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for checking in. I'm Ken Chester. Regular listeners to the program know that the Roadworthy Drive crew is sensitive to privacy, especially when it comes to the information gleaned from and shared with our connected vehicles. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. For those of you who may not be familiar with the term, any vehicle pretty much built after the 2011 model year, and some before that time, uh, OnStar, for example, mm-hmm. are connected to the Internet. If you can control your vehicle with an app on your phone, have a communication service like OnStar and or your vehicle's a Wi-Fi hotspot, chances are your vehicle's communicating with the automaker who built it. Now, honestly, not all that's bad. Collecting generic information, and I do mean generic, about the vehicle performance, vehicle wear, and even accident information can be of aid. However, that's not all that's being shared. Chances are pretty good you have no idea. What's going on? I wish you'd have told me this sooner. I would have taken my calming medication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. Because I have a feeling there's a rant coming on. Uh, not oh. yet. Not yet. Might be Sasha ranting. I'm good. Um, that's always been a bone of contention here at Roadworthy Drive. And I want to share for this last segment what we know. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and this is the title, which immediately got my dander up. What your car knows about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Car makers are collecting massive amounts of data from the latest cars on the road. Now they're figuring out how to make money off it. Really? Yeah. So, you know, that my, nice little message that shows up when you power on your brand new car and it says, you know, we are going to be collecting data. So not only did you spend fifty, sixty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for your car, now they're going to be making money off of you. And wait a minute. You can opt out. But guess what? you got to do it every 30 days. Yeah. Every 30 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, with millions of cars rolling off dealer lots with built-in connectivity, awesome. auto companies are gaining access to unprecedented amounts of real-time data. Get this now. That allows them to track everything from where a car is located to how hard it's braking 
and whether or not the windshield wipers are on. Let that sink in for a minute. All of this is generic. Really? Is it? That's what I'm asking. Um, depends. Depends how they manipulate it after that or whether they scrub the specific information. And let, let me continue on. The data is generated by the car's onboard sensors and computers and then stored by the automaker and cloud-based servers. Yeah, like they can't be hacked. Mm-hmm. Some cars have as many as 100 built-in processors that generate data. Yeah, I'm letting that sink in for a minute. Yeah. Um, they're using some of this data to create, provide feedback to help improve a car's performance. Okay, I can go with that. Refine features. I'm still fine with that. And alert them to any potential quality problems early on. I'm good with all of that. No problem. Okay? Oh, my. However... They're also using it to create new and more personalized services for the drivers. Many car makers have bigger plans, including using the data to craft targeted in-car advertisements or selling it to mapping firms looking to provide more accurate traffic information. Uh, yeah, I'm not liking that. Okay, because we talked about the fact that, you know, now on they were testing out um, a feature where if you happen to be driving home or driving past, you know, a McDonald's or something like that, it would say, hey, are you hungry? Maybe you go here. Um, so it's one of those things where right now when they're talking about a more targeted commercial plan, how much of that, like you have your phone tethered to your Bluetooth in right. your truck. Right. Okay. How much of that is actually your information? If you take a call, if you get a text, because I'm assuming that you have your text actually show up or it will read out your text. Yep. How much of that is your information? That's a good question. That, well, here's, here's the other one that I've got. And it can't, hold on, it can't be that generic. If they are taking, you're the licensed owner, so they are taking a middle-aged male, um, and he's a truck owner, and he's talking about, you know, how much he does not like the new McDonald's McRib or whatever, and... They incorporate that. No. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. The piece is silent on in terms of specific phone call personal information. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, at least at this time. No. And, and underscore, I'm underscoring, I'm not sure. I didn't say I knew. All right. Hang on for a second. Yeah. You remember my car hostage situation. Right. Yes. Okay. As much time as I was spending at a dealer. Mm-hmm. On my device, and I'm holding up my device so everybody can see it. Which it was is probably the note. pitching you a new car, wasn't it? Which is Note 5. No. It was targeting advertising for that dealer. Now, mm -hmm. let's it was back, pitching a new car. Let's, yeah. let's back up to Friday. Mm -hmm. I took the truck to another dealership to have the oil changed. Mm -hmm. As soon as I walked out of there, all the targeting, target advertising went to that, that dealer. dealer. Yep. Let me give you an idea what they think this market will be worth. According to McKinsey and Company, they estimate that monetizing data from connected cars, bear in mind this, is roughly 12 years from now, will be worth up to $750 billion. That's wow. billion with a B. By 2030, as more cars are shipped with pre-installed modems and other internet-connected devices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a fellow from Hyundai. To some extent, the sky is the limit for what can be done with the data. Yeah. 
according to Hyundai, now in their case, what they're doing, mm-hmm. the data is only collected with the owner's permission and shared with the auto insurer as a score rating of the driver's performance. That's the new program. We've reported on it. Yes, we, we have. We talked about that. Yes. GM, and we talked about this too, through its Marketplace app, uses user location and other vehicle data to help drivers find parking and schedule service appointments at nearby dealerships. The automaker also uses location data and a vehicle's keyless entry feature to offer in-car delivery of Amazon packages. My question, can you opt out? Okay. I want to go back to I want to be forgotten. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, we're not there yet. Well, we need to get there and fast. Well, it's we, not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to take time. Later this year, GM also plans to introduce a new feature that can detect when the vehicle's fuel tank is low and then offer them a coupon on the car's display for a discount at a nearby gas station. Which is targeted marketing. Yeah. Because really I wonder if it's going to take targeted marketing. Uh, independently owned gas station as opposed to, you know, a corporate. Yeah. I'm, I, let, let me get down to the, to the meat of this. Mm-hmm. Again, Hyundai. They said eventually car companies will use the data for more predictive applications, such as learning a driver's habits and making route suggestions. Over time, we will know where you go for coffee and what your commute is. Things to worry about. Another hour done. Be sure to tune in next week when Roadworthy Drive Crew updates you with the latest mobility and technology news that you need to know. Thanks for listening. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.